The year is 1998. Kids are begging their parents for a Furby. The way we search the internet is about to be revolutionized when Google is founded. And people all over the world are about to find out that there are worse things than vampires out at night. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz hot shot! Hey, I feel the need, the need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I am, of course, LPJ. And with me today... A very special guest turned new co-host. We have Joe here. Hey, Hi, Joe. Hey, LPJ. How are you? Good I to am see good. You. Yes, good to see you as well. Welcome to the show. Um, so, obviously, last episode, uh, I would imagine people have listened. They know now Sphinx is taking a short leave um, to go teach because apparently <laughs> he does that. Uh, and so, Joe graciously. Is, uh, is stepping into the role here. I, I'm going to try and fill in for for Sphinx for a while. We'll see how it goes. You know, I'm excess, excited to talk about this Weasley Sipes. Wait, no. Keep that, going. The, what, Wesley Snipes. There you hey. go. See, look, you're already taking over for Sphinx. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Wesley Snipes, we're, we're talking about Blade. Blade. Which is a movie that, uh, honestly, so here's the deal. When I came up with the concept for this podcast many, many months ago, almost a year now, uh, I actually had Joe in mind as far as my co-host goes, and one of the reasons was we used to always go to movies. Yes, we that's still true. we still yeah we still do yeah right. And um, so very so so a lot of my youth was spent with Joe seeing action films and films. This one in particular, yeah, we went to the theater to see it. It was it was when did we see it? it wasn't opening weekend. Yeah, and I don't know because I was trying to put that timeline together because it came out in August of '98. Which yeah. is like, so I don't know. We might have seen it later. We might have seen it, um, you know, on uh, geez, I'm blanking here. What's the what's DVD? the what's the holiday uh, in September? The oh, Labor Day. Labor Day, because that would have been when I was starting college, but I would have been home because I was having a hard time. Maybe, yeah. maybe we did see it like just on home video or something. Because I don't know if we saw it in the theaters. No, we had to have seen the theaters. <laughs> You're probably right. I just don't. I can't think of the specific memory of it. Yeah, I don't know either. Because that, because that uh, summer or that that first year you started, um, I remember me and your brother came up to yeah. visit you that first year. Yeah, kind of yeah. almost right away, almost right when you moved in. Right. Or no, we helped you move in, but then we also came up later on. Yeah. Um, was the movie still out? Maybe I don't know. I mean, we definitely saw it though together. Absolutely, yeah. We definitely saw it. <laughs> well, you know, early in '98 when yeah. it came out. Well, yeah, yeah. late '98. Yeah, late '98. But yeah, but yeah. And and this is a movie that uh, I definitely wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, for the simple fact that it's really the first big superhero movie to hit. Right. And it's, nobody saw it coming. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it's responsible for kind of the abundance of superhero movies that we have now. Yeah, absolutely. And, Ooh, excuse in, me. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, because, I mean, I mean, they weren't big, and it was kind of a, a sleeper success, you know, and it was, you know, and I, we'll get into it later, but, I mean, to be honest with you, this kind of movie is sneaky, because if you didn't know it was based on a Marvel Comics book character... You probably wouldn't think it was, you know. No, you definitely wouldn't. You you would see it as you know as like a vampire horror film. Right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't scream that it's a superhero movie. No, and the character definitely doesn't scream superhero. Right. In any sense of the word. And that and, that, and you know and that was a question I did have for you. Are you? I mean, we're both comic guys. We both read a lot of comics. Did you ever read any Blade comics? No. Is that, no, yeah. no. I still to this day have not read a Blade comic. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, he occasionally make appearances and. Spider-Man comics. Yeah. But and, and the one thing that I thought of that he was in was a great series where if you're looking to read a comic series, it's uh, Captain Britain and MI-13. Well, that's the thing is he's British. Yeah, he's British, right? In, in the comics. Yeah. 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 He's not 
by any means an American. <laughs> but that's but that's a great series, by the way. It's only 15 issues. If you're looking for a good series, who check wrote it that out. one? Uh, Paul Cornell. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And I don't know who the artist is, but it's real good. I actually just dug him out of my collection so I could reread it. So. Oh, good plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and and this movie um, is uh, is well stars Wesley Snipes. Yes. Uh, and I can't think of another person who would possibly fill this role no and I, and we'll probably cover it later i know there were some other people considered but i mean it's hard to imagine <laughs> anyone else but him making this movie yeah oh yeah absolutely um and i would say as far as um you know everybody gives uh um robert downey jr credit for really taking hold of tony stark yeah um, Wesley Snipes has never at any point distanced himself from this character. Right. He always, always, always wants to be Blade. Right. And that's what's interesting because, I mean, Marvel does have the rights of this character back now. They do. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. They could very easily have him pop back up. I, right. I, I'm sure people are hungry for it. I was really disappointed when the TV series got canceled. Yeah. It, Did, does, it does seem something to me, a property that maybe at this point in time leads itself more to a TV series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would agree. Maybe they do it on the new uh, on the new Disney Marvel app. It, yeah, the new Disney streaming. It could be, but I don't know. That might be a little too intense. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're, they look at something like uh, I guess Daredevil was Netflix, but yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if those characters showed up at some point. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, it might have been something that if Marvel and Netflix kind of hadn't had their falling out with this, maybe maybe it was something that could have been developed. Sure. I don't even know if it was, do you think it was a falling out or do you think it was more along the lines of they just both decided to kind of. Uh, I, I've read and not to get, this isn't a TV podcast, but I've read things that basically said that they didn't quite get along with a lot of the stuff. Like big complaints about the series are the number of episodes in them. And I've read yeah. that like Netflix wanted to make them shorter seasons, but Disney was like, no, like was against them being like shorter seasons and wanted them all to be 13 episodes and stuff like that. So. Oh, I think they work better as 10 episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like I was just dating whenever this comes out but reading reviews of the second season of the punisher and they're all like yeah it's too long it drags mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because that's what that's 13 13 right? episodes yeah, yeah so yeah that that's definitely one that needs 10 yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right we're getting back to this movie yes back this to movie, Blade. uh directed by steven norrington who really he, yeah he's unremarkable right yeah really the only other thing he did was uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen yeah which is uh, i think famous because it was the movie that sean connery did and then quit acting because he had such a terrible experience doing it yeah which <laughs> you know the movie's not terrible, but I, it's not... I don't know if I've ever seen all of it. I think I've seen bits and pieces on TV, but... Yeah, I mean, there's parts of it that are definitely good and parts of it that are bonkers. I, I think the more interesting thing for this movie is not him as the director, but uh, David S. Goyer as the writer. Absolutely. That is a big name. Yeah. Um, Goyer, obviously, coming from comics. Right. He was a comic book writer. Uh, you know, specifically, he wrote a lot for DC. He mm-hmm. wrote... Um, uh, um, uh, the old school superheroes. Well, I can't think of the name now. With Jeff Johns, he wrote it. Green Lantern? No, no, no. He wrote... Uh, oh, JSA. JSA, thank you. He wrote JSA with... Uh, that's kind of how... He was the one that sort of brought Jeff Johns into the fold in DC Comics as they were writing JSA together. Right. And then obviously he wrote um, all of the the Christopher Nolan films. Right, Batman yes. films. Yeah, yeah. He was involved in all those. He was involved in all the Blade movies. He's still involved in the DC universe by Absolutely. writing... Uh, Batman vs Superman, Man of Steel. Uh, one thing I did see was interesting that he wrote Ghost Rider, uh, Spirit of Vengeance. He did. He wrote that. He wrote another one that I saw in here that I was real happy to see that I absolutely had no idea. He wrote this. He wrote Death Warrant oh, with Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, he also wrote Demonic Toys. Remember that one? Oh yeah, I think I did see that when I was scrolling through his credits. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I think it's also interesting to note that he not only wrote uh, the third Blade movie, but he also directed it. He did. And you know what? That movie gets a lot of crap. <laughs> I don't hate that movie. I was watching it actually yesterday, as a matter of fact. It was on TV. Uh, I have I have thoughts about it, but... <laughs> well, I don't think we'll ever get to it on this, <laughs> he, pro- in this podcast. He also created the short-lived uh, Constantine TV series that was on NBC for a season. That's right. I forgot he created it. And he also created uh, the Blade TV series. He did, which I am a big <laughs> fan of. I don't think... Did you ever go back and watch it? I, You know, I and I always talk about this with you and our, our friend of the podcast, Jody. You guys both watch it, and I didn't. And it's just not... Like, if it was on a streaming service, sure. I think I would sit down and watch it, but like... But it's not. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, and like, back in the day, it was before the DVR. If it had existed when a DVR did, I would have recorded it and watched it, but yeah. it didn't. So it was like, there was something else on, and I was like, okay, I think I watched a couple episodes, and... Yep. 
I know you say it's good. I don't doubt it. But yeah, no, it was really good. I was I was really I was shocked when it ended because it ended on a huge cliffhanger, <laughs> and uh, and then out of nowhere, Spike canceled it. Oof. Right. And I was I was not particularly particularly happy about that. I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled and maybe they'll have the DVD on sale on Amazon and I'll buy it. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, uh, other people in this movie, Stephen Dorff. Oh, oh wait, though I did want to I did want to mention one thing. It's, yeah. It's unremarkable. The score. It's by a guy named Mark Esham, I believe. Yeah. It's not great. I, I did want to point out he's done some other movies, but he does have a connection to one of our other episodes that we've been on or I've been on with you here on this. Wait podcast. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me do this. Pop quiz. Make it a pop oh, quiz. Okay. Do you? This is this is gonna be a deep poll, but do you know what his connection is to a movie that we've done, uh, an episode that I've been on yeah. of the Last Action Podcast? Mark Isham or Isham? I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, the composer of the music for Blade. He has a connection to it. An episode that I've done. I mean, was it Rumble in the Bronx? No. Yeah. Well, then there's the Bond movies. I can't <laughs> imagine it's those. Well. Really? But it's it's <laughs> you're probably not gonna guess it. It's it's a right, it's a ahead. difficult one. So he did the music for the Nicolas Cage movie Next, which was directed by our good friend Lee Tamahari, the director of Die Another Day. Wow, that is a <laughs> deep pull. <laughs> it was a it was a tough quiz, but I thought that was interesting. You know what the weird thing is? The minute you said Nicolas Cage, it made sense that this guy was involved in a Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> it really makes a lot a lot of sense to me. I, I think the music in this is unremarkable, but it screamed like late nineties to me. Oh yeah, and you know what? Apparently, vampires love raves. Like I think I don't know. I did a lot of research, but I think I remember reading something that said that they initially wanted to get like the Prodigy they to did, do the yeah. music for it, but they turned it down. Yeah, well, it's like they had another commitment yeah, somewhere yeah, else, okay. and they turned it down. And I'm um, like, yeah, I could see that. This soundtrack is like... Oh, it's right for Prodigy. <laughs> and that 98, yeah. that was prime Prodigy time. Right, right, yeah. <clears throat> so where was I? Oh, Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff um, plays... Um, Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost in this. Um, was he... I, I would imagine he's in the comics. Yeah, he was. I, I when I was doing a little bit of research here, it says they were both created by the same people. Marv Wolfman and mm-hmm. Gene Colan both created Blade and Deacon Frost. Because I think in the comics, and again, neither of us are super familiar with the Blade comics. He was the one that turned Blade's mom. Like that's like an accurate right. like thing from the comics. So. I did read that. Um, but and, I think and, it's a very different take, I think, on the character. Sure. And Marv Wolfman's super famous comic writer. Right. Yeah. He created uh, the New Teen Titans. Right. Um, and, and a lot of other things for DC. Right. Um, which, which is weird that he, when did because because what was what was this the seventies he was created? Blade? Yeah, I think so. I don't. Uh, oh yeah, I, uh, I thought I had the year somewhere. It was like seventy seven or something like that. Nineteen seventy three. Seventy three. Okay. B- Blade's first appearance was in Tomb of Dracula number 10, 1973. That's right. And that was right before Marv Wolfman jumped over to DC Comics. Right, I think in I think like uh, Blade was kind of like a supporting character in that for a while. So yep. Uh, other actors, we got Chris Christopherson right. as Abraham Whistler. Yep, uh, a character created for this movie. Right. Well, actually, <laughs> I do have a pop quiz wow. for that. Pop quiz, hot shot. Do you know where the character of Whistler made his first appearance? Hmm. Was it in the comics? It was not in the comics. This this was a surprising one to me. I thought it was very interesting. No, please. He was created for Blade's appearance on the 90 Spider-Man cartoon series. Oh, that's right. And that's where this Whistler character came from. Oh, and they liked him so much that they put him in the film yeah. and then carried him over to the comics. Right. I know he was he was adopted into the comics shortly thereafter. Right, but that kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh yeah, because I remember Blade being on the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s, but I guess I just didn't even think about that, but that's... Yeah, and he wasn't, he definitely wasn't British. No. Um, I don't really remember him on the show. I remember him on the show. Okay. And he was he was very similar to the way he was here. Okay. He was a very Americanized. Which yeah. makes sense if they took it from the show and put him in the movie. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, because he was in a bunch of Morbius episodes. Okay. Which, man, the Morbius episodes were terrible. Yeah. Which there's a little fun stuff about that that we'll get to later. All right. About Morbius. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, other people in this, Donald Logue. Yeah. Um, He's great in this. He he is really good. In it. Donald Logue's kind of great in everything. Yeah. Like I get, I get, um, like I really, I really enjoy seeing him. Every character, I mean, realistically, every character is basically the same. He's basically playing the same person every right, time. He's yeah. just playing Donald Logue. Yeah. 
Uh, but he's really good at it. But he's good as Quinn in this movie. He is great as Quinn in this movie. Uh, he also, for people who don't know, he is also um, is in in Gotham. Is he? He's, he's Bullock, right? Yeah, he's Harvey. Harvey yeah, Bullock. Yeah. Yep. Which I never. It's a show I stopped watching. Yeah, I watched like the first season and a half, and kind of was bleh, got over it. Right. Um, the movie itself, um, it uh, came out in '98, and it, and it was a big hit. It was. Uh, the budget was relatively small, forty-five million. Right. Yeah. Uh, as far as like superhero movies yeah, go, at the that's time, pretty yeah. small. Yeah. Uh, it took in one hundred thirty, hundred th- basically one hundred thirty-one million dollars, which yeah. is a lot. I yeah. mean, nobody saw this film coming. Nobody which, saw it coming. Which is why I mean, this movie basically kicked off an entire new age of superhero movies. It did, and it's crazy that, um, really a, a very much a supporting character. Right. Did it. it wasn't a big name because. You know, uh, Batman and Robin kind of killed everything, right? And I think that's what this movie sneakily does, isn't it? And I think it's like it introduces a Marvel comic book character, you know, makes a comic book movie kind of in a secret way, and it's a huge success. And people are like, "Oh, wait, we can do something with this!" And suddenly you start seeing X Men movies and Spider Man movies, and just—I mean, there was a period of time, for better or for worse, where every comic book property was being, you know, thrown up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, you're right, especially at that time. Yeah, the the, the kind of period before the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's some good stuff, but there's a lot of sketchy stuff. That came yeah, out. and that was at a weird time, too, where Marvel was selling off properties. Right. Um, which was really strange that, you know, they had this, this, they get this, they start selling off properties, then all of a sudden this hits. Yeah. And then they have just a resurgence, not only in, in comic films, but comics start to come back. Yeah. Because that's, that's about the time they started doing Ultimates, right? Uh, a little later, like 2001? I'd say it's pretty close. I think Ultimates was like right about 2000, so... Okay, yeah, so, so within a couple close, years, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and this I mean, this movie's obviously successful. It spawned two sequels. Yeah, two sequels and a TV show. And a TV show, yeah. Um, yeah, and and potentially even more, depending on whether or not, you know... I, I, ima- I, I would assume that they have some kind of plan for the character. Knowing its past success in different formats, you would think that they have something in the pipeline that they want to do with him. Yeah, yeah, I would hope. Um, other things, uh, so Goyer originally conceived this movie, uh, or this movie was originally conceived by Marvel as something of like a, like a, like a vampire spoof movie. Oh, jeez. Like it wasn't <laughs> even going to be, they are going to do a Blade as a... Um, you know, basically like a, like almost like a modern black exploitation film. Oh, geez. Uh, and then Goyer saw kind of the um, the kernel of what it could be, and then once they attached Wesley Snipes to it, yeah, is when it really kind of t- started to take shape for it. Which I think, interestingly enough, they said that at the time Wesley Snipes was trying to get like a Black Panther movie made, right? Like that's what yeah. like his like he was really pushing for that, and then kind of ended up making this. Yeah, he had never heard of Blade before, right? Like he didn't even know Blade was a Marvel character. Which is crazy to think of now, like, all the success and accolades that Black Panther has had that, like, back, you know, 20 years ago, Wesley Snipes is trying to get it made. Sure. And, you know, I don't think a Black Panther movie would have worked then. No, 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 no. I think, I think... The, the, the what you need to make the Black Panther movie, I don't think wouldn't you couldn't have done it back then. I mean, well, and the character we see now is not what he was back. No, that's true. In too. the nineties, I think. I think, and I also think that now with how big superhero movies are, people are willing to you know accept these different heroes and accept different settings, and you know. In 1998, superhero movies are not on the radar at all. You know, like you said, no, Batman, or, Batman and Robin comes out in 1997, and basically tanks everything it does yeah it really kills the entire comic film i mean industry i mean it takes dc forever to recover from batman for robin <laughs> they still have it in some no, sense that's true too i guess <laughs> you know looking at, at what's come out which yeah. is weird goyer's involved in all of that too yeah which is weird i, I mean that's that's probably a topic for another <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah so big success um and then f- from there, obviously, more more films come out. Uh, the plot for this, I would assume this plot came from the comics. Again, I, I didn't read a lot of it. I didn't see a lot of I, it. I think I know. I mean, I think the stuff about Deacon Frost and Blade's mom and stuff is drawn from the comics, but sure. I don't know if any of the stuff about uh, the Blood God or any of that. What's the Blood God's name? La Magra. La Magra. I don't know if any of that stuff is pulled directly from the comics, but again, neither of us being Blade comic book experts, I guess. 
you know, I'm just not sure about that. But I, I would assume with Goyer having such a comic, comic book background that he probably, you know, pulled from some and did his research and all that stuff. Yeah, I would imagine. You're probably right. Uh, the plot for this, you know, it sets up a real quick origin story for Blade. Yep. Um, it, the movie opens with uh, a woman being wheeled into the hospital right. after having some kind of injury. Right. They don't really allude to exactly what it is at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you later find out that she's pregnant and that she's been bitten by a vampire. Right. And then you think she dies. And the child survives. And the child survives. Uh, this gives Blade his powers, which... In the comic, in the in the movie here, they say he has all of the advantages of being a vampire and none of the drawbacks. None of the, yeah, all the strengths and none of the weaknesses. I exactly. believe that's how Deacon Frost describes it. Exactly. And he still has the thirst, though, but right. Deacon believes that, obviously, to be a yeah, strength. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because I'm going to say most of us would consider that not a strength, needing sure. to drink blood, but you know. Yep, and they call him the Daywalker. The Daywalker, right. Walk yeah, in the, the day. Yeah, because he can go out. So, um, so, yeah, that's kind of the opening, and then we're like thrust into this world and- uh, my first note says, like, uh, Tracy Lord's gross. <laughs> I know, yeah. Tracy Lord's plays a vampire in this. I can't, she hasn't, this was, like, supposed to be her big breakout, I think. <laughs> she has a very small part in this. She does have a very, very small part in this. And I, what, I don't even know what else she was in after this. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not going to look it up. Okay, that's it's probably just gonna, fair. It's going to open up a, a, a Pandora's box of badness. So we're introduced to her, and she's basically... In a car with a dude, they go to a club. Yep, vampires love raves, apparently, <laughs> as long as there's blood spurting from the from the fountains. Right, yeah, blood starts raining from the ceiling, uh, everyone there's vampires. Yep. And then Blade shows up. Yep, Blade just, shows up and just... Just annihilates just people. kicks the shit out of everybody. And what's cool, you know, one of the things that I saw that in this movie that I haven't seen in any other movie is that when a, vampire's die, when a vampire dies, they turn into ash. Yeah. Um, which is cool. You don't see that. I've never seen that in any other vampire film. Right. And he does all those, like, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, uh, Wesley Snipes really like studies like martial arts, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's, um, yeah, he's actually one of the better martial artists in the world. Um, keep talking. I'm gonna pull <laughs> but could he beat Steven Seagal? That's the real question. That's the thing. I think he trained with Steven Seagal. Oh, shoot. Because I, I know they must have worked some of his, like, uh, spiritualism into the movie. You know, there's a lot of stuff with, like, uh, like the candles he lights and, like, the, I guess, the stuff that he yeah. prays to and, the, like, the hideout and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's a, let's see, uh, second degree back, second degree black belt in Hapkido. He's a fifth degree black belt in Shotokan Karate. Oh, geez. He also uh, studies kung fu, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and kickboxing. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, yeah, he's uh, he's clearly one of the uh, most well-trained martial artists in the world. Uh, I've been studying since he was 12. Wow, geez, yeah. I mean, I knew that he had real skills. I guess I didn't know that he was so accomplished at it. <laughs> yeah, well, he did all of the choreography for this film. Oh, shoot, okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I mean... For all three of them, actually. He did, okay. all, he did the choreography for all of it. Um and a lot of the uh, stunt guys that are in it are students of his. Oh, shoot. Yeah, all, or at least the martial artists were students of his. Um, yeah. So Blade shows up. Where were we? Blade. Just, he just wastes vampires. He's got all these cool weapons that he's using. He does. And that's another thing. You know, you often think of vampires, that get, you know, stake them in the heart. Right. Well, this in this in this world, any hit with silver basically kills him. Right. And I and I think in this he's looking for Frost. That's what he's doing here. At this he club. he's trying to find Deacon Frost. He confronts uh, Donnell Long. I'm going to butcher that. Oh, thanks. You're here. I know. I know. I'm Donnell Logue. Donnell Logue. Just I'm, call him uh, Quinn. Call him Quinn. Gonna, so he confronts kind of Quinn. Uh, has a little fight with Quinn. Uh, sticks him to the wall and lights him on fire. Yep. Uh, and uh, does he? I don't remember how he lights on. Does he use the? Uh, he just lights him on fire. Yeah, I think he just. I don't. I guess I don't remember what he does. If he has an incendiary or something, he lights him on fire somehow. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Uh, he has all kinds of weapons in this. Yeah. So um, Quinn, the police come and you know clean up his body and take it to the hospital to the morgue. Right. He's burnt to a crisp. That's where we're introduced to uh, the character of Karen. Yep. Karen Jensen. Karen Jensen, a hematologist. hematologist. Coincidentally yeah. enough, she's a hematologist. Enough, yeah, she's a blood specialist, right? Um, and then Quinn comes back to life in the hospital. Of course he does. Just like completely charred and like gross. And then uh, he kills the one morgue person, right? Yeah, he kills. Uh, well, I think the, that morgue person was actually a familiar. 
Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, I'm fairly certain he was a familiar, and... Um, well, I don't know about that, because he shows back up at the end, remember? Because he doesn't get killed. Remember, he shows back up at oh, the temple? Oh, that's right. He's the one in the temple. He's the one that when they throw her down in the bottom of the temple. Right. Yeah, that's right. For whatever reason, he turned into a zombie instead of a vampire. Right. But which you, is another weird thing that never well, comes up again. Yeah, I think they say something like, oh, sometimes when they, they... They say a line, but it doesn't really... Doesn't make any sense. But, so, he comes back to life, he... Allegedly kills the guy in the morgue. Then he bites uh, Karen. Yeah. And then Blade shows up. I think cuts his hand off. Yeah, he cuts <laughs> his arm off. Cuts his arm. He cuts off. Cuts his arm off a couple times in this movie. Yeah, he does. Which is, I think it's like a running joke that he keeps like cutting off like body parts of his. Uh, and then he kind of uh, bolts out of there, jumps out of the window, and uh, Blade decides that he's going to try and help Karen and takes her back to the hideout with Whistler. Yeah, because yeah, he has a flash of his mom. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah he has like a flash of oh. All right, so he takes her, yeah, takes her to meet Whistler. Um, Whistler immediately says, you should have just killed her. Right. Put but, her out of her misery. And they, they inject her with garlic yep. to like slow down or fight the infection, I guess, because they caught it soon enough. Well, so they think. They don't know. Right. Um, and I keep saying, um, <laughs> like, I'm, right. like I'm new at this. <laughs> well, I think we're kind of in, I, I have in my notes here that I feel like a lot of, and I mean, for better or worse, I think they do an okay job with it, but there's a lot from Whistler and Blade in this beginning part that is like exposition, like explaining. Yeah, like, it's definitely an exposition dump, kind of explaining the world of what's going on. You know, um, it's like, oh, vampires, they're severely allergic to silver. Garlic makes them go into anaphylactic. Sh- anaphy- anaphylactic. Anaphylactic. I really am channeling Sphinx today. It's good. You're, it's um, good work. You know, it's like, oh, this is, you know, they're sunlight and ultraviolet rays. This is a familiar. This is a glyph. You know, they kind of like walk you through the world and it's a little exposition-y. Like, I get it. They do an okay job because they're introducing somebody who's not familiar with the world to sure. that. But it even watching it now, I was kind of like, all right, this is... Yeah, it was a lot. And, and that was the thing. Like, I, I don't remember any of the beginning of this movie. Like, I didn't remember any of the beginning of this movie when I started watching it right. again. And, um, yeah, because I, I hadn't watched this one in a long time when I sat down to watch it. Well, it's on periodically and, uh, like, on TV and stuff. And I'll always I'll always pick it up here and there. Yeah. Um, but I never sit and watch the whole thing. And I certainly never pick it up from the beginning. Right. I remember the ending of this a lot more than the... Uh the beginning i guess i will agree with you on that yeah oh yeah absolutely um it's a lot and i, I have this in my notes a couple times it's a lot more i mean it's it's a hard r like it's a lot absolutely. more it's a lot more violent than i remember it being yeah it is really violent even with even with the vampires getting ashed um it's still pretty gross when they're dying oh yeah yeah um like i i have in my notes when they get when they when he kills that one vampire like when he exposes them to the sun yeah and like, it's so gross he like melts it's like a uh, raiders of the lost star oh it absolutely is which by the way i have problems with that scene because i'm not good with teeth stuff and he rips out his fangs with those pliers oh he does and i i, I had to like cover my eyes because i can't i can't do teeth stuff yeah teeth stuff doesn't bother me it's the needle thing yeah that i was gonna me. say it's like you with needles that's how i am with teeth i Ooh. can't he's like pulling them out with pliers that's ugh. but like i guess like you know we don't have to go beat by beat but like ultimately deacon Frost's plan in this is yeah he just there's like a whole vampire council and he wants to usurp them they're, and they're, resurrect the blood well, god. They're the council of pure bloods, and a pure blood is someone that's right. that's born a vampire. Right. And Deacon Frost has been turned, so he's not a pure blood. Right, right, right. So he's trying. There's this council, and he's been doing all this research in like the ancient like vampire archives. Like, where does it? So they have all <laughs> these archives. And none of the other pure blood vampires a can read the text. <laughs> well, I think he has a he has that confrontation with the one pure blood, the one whose teeth he rips out. Yeah, and basically, he's like, you can't translate these, or no one's been able to translate them. You're not gonna be able to figure it out. There's nothing here. But like Deacon Frost is convinced, so somehow he ends up being able to translate the yeah. stuff that no one's been able to. Like he's the only vampire who can use a computer program. <laughs> yeah, he's like constantly running that program, and it's just like scanning and like translating and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I didn't. Get, I didn't really buy that part. That's like, you know, the, the pure blood vampires have clearly been around for hundreds of years. Yeah, you'd think somebody would know. Well, and that's the thing in the like the universe of this movie. Like vampires have been around forever, and they're kind of on purpose keep a low profile. Like yeah. they they kind of stay in the shadows and 
Deacon Frost wants them to like basically rule. He says like these people are our food source, you know. Right. Like, we shouldn't be like hiding from them. That's why his. You know, and and I got another question then about his plan because Deacon's plan is to resurrect the blood god Lamagra right. and right. turn everybody into vampires. Right. Well, then what are they going to eat? <laughs> I guess that's a good question, right? I never thought about that. Yeah, like the big plan. Let's turn everybody into vampires. And then starve to death. Yeah. Like, I guess that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, I suppose <laughs> they can feed on other vampires, but does that work? I don't. They never address that. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess his plan doesn't work, so we don't have to worry about it. But. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, so they they end up saving the doctor, right? Or thinking they save her. Right. They kind of introduce her to what's going on in the world of Blade. And then they end up kind of using her as bait to draw out... Because uh, they're trying to get rid of her, so they're using her as bait to draw out to kind of find out where Frost is. Right. Yep. So they kind of they just let her go back to her apartment, basically. Yeah. Which leads to another weird scene that I have in my notes, where Blade is just walking around in the middle of the daylight with a yeah. sword on his back. Oh yeah, everything he does, or or when he comes. Well, another thing, he's he's in the. So she goes back to the apartment. There's a cop there that she apparently knows. Yeah. And then uh, he turns out to be a familiar for Frost, and a familiar is um, someone who. Uh, wants to be a vampire, and if they basically work, yeah, they're basically they're basically owned by the vampire, thinking that if they serve them well enough, they'll turn them into a vampire. Right, and so this cop is a familiar, and um, and he's in the apartment, or he goes to the apartment looking for her because, like, oh, her coworkers couldn't find her. They right, right, which I guess makes sense. Uh, but then he tries to kill her. Is that what his point is? That, is that what he was trying to do, or capture her? Or? Well, I, I think he. I think they sent her to eliminate her, to like the because she was like a loose end or something for some reason. I don't, I don't know entirely why, but yeah, that's, I couldn't piece that together either. Like, what was the point of even? What's the point of killing her? It's not like they have anything to worry about. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it that much because she did see Quinn in the hospital, but she didn't really know anything. So, what would be the point <laughs> of taking the time to? Killer. Right, exactly. And um so so he so Blade comes in and beats the crap out of this guy. Right. And then they fought they want to wait and follow him? Yeah, they ultimately they follow him to uh I, I think it's in like Chinatown or somewhere, but it's basically in one of Frost's hideouts. Um and they, they go down to like the secret area, which is where Frost has been like translating all the stuff about Lamagra, and that's where they're introduced to Pearl. <laughs> Dude, what is Pearl's story? Uh, well, here's one thing in my note. It said Pearl looks like the Marvel comic book character Mojo is what I had. Yeah. And, like, just real gross. It's, uh, how would you describe Pearl? Like, just a big blob of fat. Yeah, like, really, like, a super, like, obese person. Like, on one of those shows, like, you know, like, My 800-Pound Life or something. But, you know? like... 8,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Just like, and speaking in like a really shrill, like high, almost like childlike voice. Yeah. I, that was the other thing. The voice didn't make sense. The body didn't make sense. Like what was, is Pearl's existence just to sit there and watch the monitors? Yeah. I don't, that character is very confusing and then uh, gets killed very disgustingly with the, uh, the ultraviolet, like a uh, flashlight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And did she just, uh, she, Blade's like, well, hold it on him, and if he moves, turn it on. And then she like turns it on and just melts him. And yeah, and it's and she's so, like, he moved. <laughs> yeah, it is the creepiest thing. And, yeah. and I was reading, I saw in the notes there, Goyer was talking about Pearl in the uh, in the commentary, and his he, he said that her diet subsisted of babies. <laughs> yeah, I did see that actually. I saw that. I thought that was interesting and kind of gross. Yeah, totally gross. Um, but like, it's then. They track him there, and a fight ensues, and they're kind of caught. And then Whistler shows up and just kicks some ass. Yeah, and saves them because um, he busts through in the, with the with the van, right? With the van, yeah. And they they end up grabbing like a little bit of piece of uh, I can't remember what they call it, uh, the Book of Erebus, which they say is right. like the vampire Bible, and it's all like hanging from the walls in like glass cases and stuff. Yeah, which again. They spend the vampires spend all this time putting these things up, and at no point. No one's been able to figure this out? Right. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't spend enough time on it or what. But but I think Blade grabs a piece of one of them or something and has it with them. Yeah. And that was the other thing. So, like, because then they get back to the, the, the hideout and right. Whistler's looking at it. Of course, Whistler can all of a sudden read it. Yeah. He's just like, oh, it says, this, I can't remember what he says. It says something about, like, a, the blood a god. god. Yeah. So, of course, that one piece has exactly what they need. <laughs> and then, so Blade goes back out, and I don't remember, I'm, I'm having trouble with the circumstances, but he ends up running into Frost. 
outside. Well, no, because Frost is waiting for him. He's got because right after Frost kills the um, kills the head vampire. And uh, he had put on all the sunscreen which, and stuff. Which, by the way, I have my notes. It's like, what? Why are they so worried about? It? They keep saying Blade's so special, but apparently, if you just put on sunblock, you're fine. I guess. <laughs> well, that was the thing because I guess it only lasts a certain amount of time. Like it only does so much. I guess because you true. could see him. You could see Frost start to kind of kind of burn a little bit, and it was sweating and melting off. I do love like that confrontation that they have in the park. He's like holding that child hostage, but like Wesley Snipes has so many great lines in this. That's the one. Oh, where, yeah. That's the one where he's like, "You're nothing to me, but another dead vampire." Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. There was there was another line about ice skating. I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Oh, geez. That comes up at the end. That's one of my favorite things in the movie. Yeah. I, I feel Go like, ahead. I feel like I'm going to save it for when we get to that part All of right, the movie. All right. We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. I couldn't <laughs> write because I saw my note. I'm like, what was that line? I can't remember. I know it was ridiculous. Well, we also, I mean, I, I touched on the opening, but we also skip, skipped the part where he's talking to her and he's like, there's worse things tonight out than vampires. And she's like, like what? And he's like, me. me. Yeah. <laughs> But he's awesome. I I love Wesley Snipes in this. He delivers those lines because there is like as serious and kind of like gross and violent as this movie is. He there is humor in it. Like he he puts some humor into the character. Yeah, and just just the right amount. Like um, I mean, kind of in the same way. Obviously, it's a different different tone, but in the same way that um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. puts humor in Tony Stark. Right. Yeah. Like he just peppers it in enough. Yeah. It's almost like this movie is the blueprint for what Marvel eventually followed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, that's not a crazy thing to th- say, I think. I mean, taking, I mean, and it sounds crazy to say now, but in 2008, Iron Man wasn't necessarily the most well-known Marvel character. No, definitely not. Absolutely not. When it's, I mean, I think they say that that was a lot of function of out of the characters they had left <laughs> to make movies out of, you know, like they yeah. sold somebody else. So it's kind of like this where Blade's not the most well-known Marvel character at all. No, definitely not. Especially even, not 98. I mean, even among us, like right. who, re- who read comics so religiously at that time. Right, yeah. He was like a nothing. Right. And that's, yeah, again, and that's why it's like, that's why I say that this movie is kind of sneaky as a superhero movie because it's not... One that jumps right out of you. And it's not, I mean, obviously there's superhero elements and he's a superhero character, but you could easily be like, oh, this this is a superhero movie? Like, I think you could show it to someone and have them not realize that at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet had we not told Jody it was a superhero movie, he wouldn't have known. <laughs> that might be true. Um, so he has the confrontation with um, Frost. Basically he finds out that Frost needs his blood, right, to complete the ceremony. You know, and that's the other, that's another thing that I have an issue <laughs> with in this film. So to resurrect the blood god, they need this, they need the daywalker who didn't exist back who then, Who didn't right? exist back then, apparently. Right. Or unless it's just like a prophecy-like thing, you know. I guess, but how did the blood god come around the first time? <laughs> I don't know. Whenever like I'm watching a comic book movie with non-comic book people and they ask me questions, I always just say, it's a comic book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comic book stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. So they, um, while Blade's out, they track back to their headquarters in the factory uh, they attack the factory. They beat the crap out of Whistler uh, and take Karen hostage, right? Yeah. And, and they, I mean, it seems like they kill Whistler. Right. Well, he's still alive right. when Blade gets back, okay? And then he's basically like, well, they bit me, and Blade doesn't want to kill him, but he, he's like, you got to do it, so he's like, leave your gun. So he leaves the gun, and Whistler shoots himself, right? Well, you think. Right. And that's, you know, this will be a slight diversion, but I was in my mind, I'm like, isn't Whistler in Blade 2? Yeah, he's in 2 and 3. So I watched the, like, first half hour of Blade 2, and I feel like when they made this one, they didn't know it was going to be that big of a success, right? 100%. So they they killed off Whistler, and then they're like, we're going to make a sequel. They're like, oh, crap, we got to bring Whistler back. So literally the first 20 minutes of Blade 2 it's just them like explaining that Whistler didn't die and that he's still alive and that Blade goes to find him. And like, it, it's literally like I think Goyer was like, oh, no, I got to think of a way to bring him back. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was definitely one of those paint yourself into a corner situations. Because they explain it like, oh, well, he didn't shoot himself and then the vampires took him and like Blade's been looking for him because he's still alive. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely had to do some creative uh, creative writing just to kind of get it to get himself out of it. Um yeah, and that was uh, like that was the that was one of the things in Blade Two that I never really, yeah, understood. Well, and th- this is for another podcast, but I forgot that um, what's his name is Guillermo del Oh, uh, well Guillermo del Toro directed, directed it, it, but yeah. um, why can't I think of his name now? The the guy from The Walking Dead, uh, and Boondock Saints. Oh yeah, yeah, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus is yeah. in it. I forgot he's like the new Whistler in it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot that. I had to look it up. I'm watching this. I'm like, is that Norman Reedus? Uh huh. Yeah, but, Norman Reedus is in it, and um. 
Ron Perlman's in it. Yeah. There's a bunch of people. I, I I like Blade Two a lot. I like Blade Two. I think I think better than the first one. Yeah. It. I I definitely think I think it's like um better than the first one. And I think it's better than the third one too. It's probably the best of the three. I would say so. Um. So anyway, so Whistler is allegedly dead. He decides to go com- confront Frost at his penthouse. Oh, here's one thing we can circle back to, and I don't have this labeled properly in my notes, but what is the thing that she creates where it's like this, not the serum, but it's the thing that like they can use to kill the vampires? Like, what is it? Yeah, again? It, well, it's an anticoagulant called EDTA. Okay. Um, and it's used to uh, help people with like sickle cell anemia. Okay. Because basically she finds out that like if you give it to a vampire, it's going to like make them explode <laughs> it i guess energizes their blood cells to the point where they rupture okay yeah because so he, so he goes into battle he's got like a big like bandolier full of these like uh these vials of edta vials. so he goes to we'll fr- call it we'll call it the vampire killing juice right because he uses it on a couple people at frost penthouse and they just explode yeah, and it's weird too. That's you know the the special effects, the computer graphics, they yeah. don't hold up. Yeah, that is that is the one thing I think where the special effects come into play, where you're kind of like, all right, this is where it kind of shows its you know age. Is, yeah, uh, <laughs> and I'll talk about that more once we get to the ending. Okay, so uh, he ends up getting caught. Oh, you know what it is? Yeah, that's when his mom shows up. Right, who is supposedly dead? Turns out, and they tease her at the beginning. Right. So they tease her at the beginning when there's a girl in Frost's bed. Yeah. And well, here's what I don't get though, because like, so the the weird like coffin bed that he sleeps in, it opens up and it's his mom. And Blade seems to immediately know it's his mom, but how would how, he know that it's his mom? There's right? no way he would know. There's no possible way he would know. Yeah, he like somehow he's just like mom, and it's like well, you never met her. No. <laughs> so you would have no idea that that's your mom. Yeah. But she's like full on like a servant of. Frost, like she's a full-on vampire and like works for him, and basically, Blade lets his guard down and gets caught because of his mom appearing. Yeah, so they take him to the temple, uh, the Temple of Eternal Night. Yeah, and and has this temple always been there? They just decided <laughs> not use it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. It looked like it was just like in a random construction yard. I don't know if they had to find it and like dig it up. We don't really get all the details. And it's it. very convenient that the Temple of Eternal Night is in the city that they're in. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they're just, just sitting there. It's just like a short drive, like five sure. minutes to get to it, you know, and they have it all excavated. Everything's good to go. Yeah. Um. So they need all those purebloods. Right? They need all the pure yeah, bloods? Yeah, I guess. They, <laughs> they need all the pure bloods to stand in a certain spot so that Blade can, they yeah, they, can drip Blade's blood yeah, on them. Yeah, they put them in like what is like essentially like a big like juicer. Like they kind of put them in and yeah. it like squeezes them shut. But can I say there's some really, like I don't know if you know this, but the stuff with his mom is all really weird. It's like, real it's, like it's, weird. A, it's like it's a little too sexual. Like his mom is almost like touching him weird and it's just yeah, like making out with him yeah it's a real creepy vibe like i was like ooh, yeah it's, <laughs> it's real strange and like i hadn't seen this movie in forever but that was like something in my mind as soon as she showed on screen i'm like oh i think this gets weird <laughs> yeah oh yeah it got real weird and, and here's one question i have is because they apparently need all the purebloods but then that one like frost girlfriend like kills that one pureblood right yeah so what are they gonna do now so it's like they're down a pureblood who do they put in the place they don't. They never explain it. She just kills one because I, he gets lippy or something, and they still. So they they put Blade in the juicer. His blood's coming out, and like it basically activates the ceremony. Um, Karen, who's there, they throw her down into a pit. The guy from the morgue that we thought was dead is like a zombie. Uh, tries to kill her. She Another get, weird thing. The zombie. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem to be in there for any reason. Uh, she gets out, sets Blade free. Uh, Blade kills his mom. Yes. Yeah. He stabs her yeah. in the heart with like a bone. Yep. And then he goes up and No, th- she stabs her. No, no Blade no. stabs her. Blade, 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 Blade kills her. Um so then Blade goes, gets his sword back and goes and probably the coolest scene in the movie when he's just like battling through all those vampires. It's just like straight up kung fu moves and he's got the sword and he's just like It was real cool. It kind of reminded me of that scene in Daredevil where he's fighting down the flight of stairs like oh, yeah, in, the, yeah. or in the hallway. Oh yeah, all those it's like yeah, it's kind of like the early the the proto like hallway fight scene for those Marvel Absolutely, movies. yeah. Cuz he's just taking everybody out with the sword. And I, we should mention earlier that when they first get there they think that that the bandolier full of the the vampire explodey juice stuff they think it's the serum that he needs to live right to, I, to, to quench his to right because we, we kind of like circle past that but he basically takes like a synthetic serum so the so he doesn't have to drink blood right because that's the one thing when he gets out of the juicer she lets him drink his blood 
Yeah, Karen does. To get that's when he kind of like to get le- his power back. Yeah, he gets leveled kinda... up, and that's when he goes and like takes out those guys. Right. So why he, does he throw the? Why does he even throw him to begin with? The throw the thing. I don't know because they think that he because he's like reaching for it or trying to get it, and they think that he needs the serum, and they're like ha 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 ha, you can't take your serum, and they just throw it away from him. Like it was very weird. Yeah. So he takes out all the goons. How does um, how does uh, Quinn? How does he end up dying in it? I can't remember. Who takes him out? Um, I don't even have it in my notes. I know he gets killed finally, but I don't remember. I think I feel like maybe Blade cuts his head off or something. I think yeah, Blade cuts his head off. Um, so he takes out all the goons, and then but by this point, Frost has become Lamagra. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about. Okay. So in so they did the, so the original ending, and I watched this not recently, but it's a special feature. The original ending is a special feature on the DVD. And in it, basically this giant blood, like, blobby thing is Lamagra, and it comes out, and it, like, comes out of, it comes out of frost, basically. Okay. Like, he turns into Lamagra, like a big blob of blood. (laughs) And Blade has to fight this giant blob of blood. Yeah. Um, But the special effects look terrible. Yeah, which I can imagine. Right, and, and and so they did a test screening of it, and everybody hated it. They liked it better with, because I guess that fight scene with um, Deacon was kind of the beginning of the, the they they cut the Lamagra part like out eventually. Okay, um, and they just extended the scene with with Blade and Frost fighting. Which, by the way, I just realized that my notes are referred to that scene when he's fighting all those guys as a techno beatdown because of the music they were it, playing. Oh, yeah. The whole movie <laughs> is filled with basically how some techno, te- techno music. Right. And I'm also I'm also noticing in my notes, speaking of bad special effects, I was like, what's those weird like skeletons that crawled out of the purebloods when they're doing the ceremony? Remember? Yeah. They, like, I don't know. They like crawl out of their mouth and they have like yeah. wings and they're like skeletons and it's like, <laughs> what is happening? I don't know, man. It was very weird. So... Oh, and I also have my note that the um, uh, Frost, like, goons, is, uh, his, like, guys that work for him, they remind me a lot of the Joker's crew in the original yes, Batman. they with, really do. With, like, the leather jackets uh-huh. and the sunglasses I was thinking the exact same thing. I have that in So he gets, Frost is one with Lamagra, possibly, and they have a prolonged sword fight, right? Right. And Frost uh, can move at, like, weird speeds and, like, jump and stuff. Right, and he can, like, basically regenerate real fast. Like, Blade's, like, cutting off limbs and they're just, like, growing back, like, out yeah. of blood and more bad special effects. Yeah. And well, actually, like that. that special effect with his arm growing back, imagine that as his entire body. Okay. That's what it looks okay, like. Okay, because that looks pretty bad when his arm grows back. Oh, yeah, imagine his whole body like that. So Blade notices the thing of the vampire explody juice. Um, he throws his sword and dislodges it and gets it. And then, in kind of like a ridiculous scene, he starts throwing those... Yeah. All those vials and they're like sticking into Frost and they're like, there's a bunch of them sticking into him. And then he like starts to kind of like dis- get discombobulated and then Blade takes the last one. And this is what he says the line. He says, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. And then he like drop kicks the last one and it flies right into Deacon Frost's forehead. And he like, I, I think the best way he like turns into a giant blob. Yeah. And explodes. It's a lot like, uh, I would say this, and I listened to your guys' episode, it's, it reminded me of um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. And it also reminded me of Kananga in uh, yeah, Live and Let Live Die. Live and Let Die, Kananga He balloon. basically turns into a big blood balloon and blows up. Yeah, and that's the end. And that's it. That's the end. They kind of they kind of get out of the Temple of Eternal Night, and she's, yep. she's kind of like, oh, I can... Because she thinks she's figured out a cure for vampires, right? At least, right. For, at least for people that have been turned, not for pure bloods. Correct. But Blade's kind of like, no, I still got work to do. I'm not. You keep your cure. I got stuff to do. Yeah, and then there's a little coda at the end where he's in Moscow and right. Which is, but the, did you read at all about what the uh, the alternate ending, the original ending that they wanted to do was? And I watched it. You can watch it online. I watched it on YouTube. It's like crappy quality. No. But originally, they really wanted to, in the sequel, They were when they were planning about doing a sequel, they really wanted to introduce uh, Morbius, the living oh, vampire, okay. right? Even though they didn't have the rights to the character at the time, because I think it's covered under the, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. stuff. But there's actually a scene that they filmed where they leave the, the Temple of Eternal Night and, like... You can see in the distance on one of the buildings, like looking down on him. You can't make out his face, but he's wearing like a jacket, like a trench coat and stuff like that. And he's just oh, like staring okay. at them. And like Blade kind of like makes eye contact with him. That's just like, I got work to do. But like they were setting that up to be Michael Morbius so he could be the villain of the sequel. Oh, that would have been actually pretty cool. Yeah, which is like cool. I mean, if you go and you Google just like Blade alternate ending, you can watch it. I mean, it's bad quality, but it's kind of yeah. neat to think that they were thinking that far ahead. 
Wow, especially for a film they were not even sure was going to do anything. Right. That that is kind of cool. I do like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and like you said, he's in the in the end, he's in like overseas, and he's like speaking. Yeah, to he's him. in Russian, Russia, yeah, which is he, where the other movie picks up. But Blade right, 2. that's right. Yep. Um, but oh, one other thing I have here in my notes. I don't know if you came across this, but they said that initially, who they were? Did you see who they initially were trying to get to direct this? I did. I was going to bring that up actually. Yes. <laughs> um, not only was it, yeah, he he was initially. Uh, he was the one they were developing the film with was David Fincher. Yes, which is interesting. And I, one of the stories is um, initially when um, Stephen Dorff got on set, it's he, Stephen Dorff was really young. It was one of his, this is one of his like not first films, but early right. in his career. Right. And uh, Wesley Snipes is the producer of this, so he had a lot of pull on it. Yeah. So Wesley Snipes was kind of like not showing up in front of people like David Fincher and whoever else was there, yeah. but kind of pulling his weight around. And I guess him and Steven Dorff had a big fight, like, <laughs> and Steven Dorff almost walked off the set oh, and shoot. left. Um, and eventually things kind of cooled off and then they started collaborating more and that's where the characters kind of developed okay. from there. But, <laughs> but yeah, but I guess Fincher was hanging around on set even after he had turned down That's crazy. The film. That's, this would predate, when did, when did Alien 3 come out? It was no Alien Three was before this, right? No, I'm saying though, but like I mean, like this is still relatively early in Fincher's career, though, right? Like he hadn't done. Yeah, much. Alien Three was I think ninety. I want to say like ninety three. Yeah, I was thinking ninety three. Like. Okay, yeah. so but I don't. I guess I don't know his filmography that well. I mean, obviously, like Fight Club on, I remember, but I don't know like before that. Yeah, before of, that, he was doing. Um, I know he did a lot of music videos. Yeah, he did so. a lot of music videos. Is yeah. what it was. Yeah, so that's inter- I mean, that's interesting to think. I wonder what the movie would have been like. I mean, because he definitely. But back then, he might not have had as clear aesthetic as he does in his movies now, so it might, I wonder how that would have affected what the movie is. Yeah, you can really tell, like, starting with, I'm really with Fight Club yeah, on, yeah. that it's kind like, of Fincher style, because yeah, like, he oh, didn't the, have it in, he didn't have it in Alien 3. No, but I think he was still, that's, that's I'm curious to see what a David Fincher-directed Blade movie would be like, if, if it would just be pretty similar to what we watched, or, you know, how much I think it would have been different. I, I think it would have been vastly different, much in the same way, um... Guillermo del Toro, del Toro changed, yeah. you know, the second Blade film, adding all kinds of different new nuances to it. Right. Did you see, come across any research, did you see that they did, they filmed the Stanley cameo? They did, yeah, and then they cut it. Yeah, they cut it. They said he was originally going to be one of the cops at the beginning when they're when they're coming into the club after Blades killed everyone and they find Quinn on fire. He was one of the cops in that scene. Right, right. But they ended up cutting it, which is funny now to think that they did, now that, I mean, R.I.P. Stan Lee, by the way, but... Um, but the, even then he was in the, yeah. Right. To think of like all the Marvel movies since then that he was basically in that they were like, eh, maybe we shouldn't do this. And then it became basically a trope of every Marvel movie. You know, that's a good question. Or that's, that leads me to a question. So let's say they bring Blade back and it's Wesley Snipes. Do these films automatically become canon as Ooh. part of the MCU? And then at that point, the MCU starts with Blade? I, I don't think so. I think if they bring them back, first of all, I can't imagine if Marvel brings him back as much as I might be in favor of it. I just don't think they'll use Wesley Snipes. I just can't see it. I mean, he's what now? He's he's older. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know. I can tell you how old he is. Give me a second here. He is. I mean, they're they're looking to build franchises. He was born. He's fifty six. Fifty six, which I mean isn't insane, but no. I mean just to build a franchise around. I mean, I don't know. I think that they would start from scratch. But you never know. I guess I guess it depends on if they're making a movie, if they're making a TV show. What are, what are they sure. doing with them? Are they doing a limited series? You know, it depends, I guess. Yeah, because, you know, for the TV show, Sticky Fingers, <laughs> uh, who played Blade. Wait, wait, what was that again? Sticky Fingers. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, he was really good. Okay. Like, I didn't think anybody could really take over for Wesley Snipes, but he did a good job. Yeah. Like, I can't fault him for that. Um, and that actually leads us to... A uh, little segment I like to call role reversal. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. All right. So initially, the film was created with the idea that LL Cool J would be Blade. Oof. What do you think of LL Cool J? I, you know what? I don't, I just, I, it's like I said, this is such a hard one because like he's, Blade is Wesley Snipes and uh-huh. it's just, it's impossible to picture anyone else. And I don't know. I mean, I just, I can't, I, I don't think I could buy LL Cool J. In it, no. no, me either. Uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah, I saw that one too. And I just, no, I just don't. I feel like, I don't know. I just don't get the right energy from Denzel Washington. For this. No, yeah, I don't know if it's the right energy. I, I don't think he can do like supernatural. 
Right. And I don't think he did. I mean, not that Denzel Washington can't do action movies. I don't think he can do this kind of action movie, I feel like. Mm, like no, not the martial arts Yeah, type. this much like hand-to-hand have you combat. Seen, have you seen um, The Equalizer? I have not seen The Equalizer. Really good. Is it really good? Yeah, I know, very, very, very I know good. Dave is always trying to sell me on that movie. Yeah, it's very much like John Wick. It's but, super good. I was going to say, but that's still more of like a gun, like not yeah, like it's hand more hand like, combat. Yeah, it's more more militaristic and not martial arts. Which, I just want to pause on one second because we didn't touch on it because we're talking about weapons. How cool was Blade's sword that it had like that? Like, Oh, uh, it was sweet. Like, what was it? He could set it, so he had like a, he could set it, so if someone had picked it up, it wasn't him, or it was just something he turned on, you had to turn off like a safety or something. It was a right? safety you had to turn off, and you put but you had to know it was there, and, and if it, you didn't, it, it would yeah, cut your hand off. Yeah, and it like they use it. One of the vampires grabs it and like completely shreds his entire hand off because yeah. all these like blades shoot out of it. Yeah, oh yeah, it's really cool. Uh, last person, Lawrence Fishburne. <sighs> that see, it, no, I don't. He, have you seen? You've seen the Matrix. I mean, yeah, but I don't. I mean, I guess maybe there's a little bit of um, what's his name in the Matrix again? Why am I drawing um, a blank on this? Um, Oh, no, um, Morpheus. Morpheus. Thank so, you. I mean, I guess maybe I could see Lawrence Fishburne more than Wesley Snipes, but I just like sometimes I've more a, than Denzel Washington. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, more than. T- <laughs> yes, Ooh, hate mail. <laughs> yes. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the first episode with Joe. Yeah, I know. Here's my, all your hate mail. My last episode because I'm completely on board. Um, no, I don't know. I think I just picture him as too old to play Blade. I know that sounds weird, but like, at the time he wouldn't have been though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can see him. He's the same age as uh, Wesley Snipes, Snipes, I believe. I, I just don't see him as a big action guy. I mean, I get what you're saying with the Matrix, sure. but I just, I don't know. I don't see it. And that was actually one of the reasons why he didn't take the job, is he opted to do the Matrix instead. Oh, okay, interesting. Right. Um, so I have two others. So Whistler, they were going to go with Mark Singer. Do you remember him? Mark Singer. Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. Ooh, I mean, I know that movie, but I guess I don't remember him that well. Yeah, he was also in uh, the original TV miniseries V. Okay. I don't know if you remember him at That's all. That's another that. hard one because I, I think Chris Christopherson works really well as Whistler. You know, like I think he, I think he's a good, he's a really great supporting character in this. So yeah. I have a hard time picturing somebody else in that role. Oh, I agree. And and Mark Singer is is similar in style, but not as gruff as as Chris Christopherson would be. Okay, gotcha. Uh, now this is a really interesting one. I mean, this might be one that I read about. And Deacon I think, Frost. Yeah, Jet I, Li. Yeah, I saw this. You know what? I kind of like the idea of Jet Li as I Deacon Frost. I really like the idea. Can you imagine? I don't. Has Wesley Snipes, uh, other than like the Expendables, has right. Wesley Snipes and Jet Li been in a movie together? I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like those Wesley Snipes action movies, and I, I don't think so. I don't think. But I think the just the uh, for them both being martial artists, it would have been kind of an interesting spin on this. You know? Oh, totally. That's the other thing. That's the thing. And, and I, I think it would have been great. I think it would have been a great martial arts film at that point. I think it would have been a little different, though, because the one, the, not the one thing, but one of the things that, uh, why am I, Stephen Dorff does so well in this, it, he kind of gives off like, you know, it's like this stuffy like vampire council and he's kind of like, you know, like almost like a Gen X, you know, like that. It's very like, much like that. Like yeah. very smug, but he does it like so well. Like he's kind of like, ah, you guys are lame and we're cool, you know, like that's he does. like the vibe, he could, but he does it really well and he's like smarmy and it's just like, I don't know, like, I feel like you don't, you're not going to get that vibe with Jet Li. Like, it's going to be different. Well, he's going to have probably no dialogue. Right, if yeah. That, you know, or very little dialogue. But you're going to get better fights. You are. <laughs> um, overall, how do you think, how do you think the acting was in this? Um, you know, overall, I think it's a well-acted movie. I mean, I think Wesley Snipes does a lot. I mean, he's, a, I don't, he doesn't have a ton of dialogue, I don't think, but he, like I said, he does really well with his kind of mixing the humor into it, and I think Chris Christopherson's great in it. I, I, I really do think it's a well-acted movie. I think all, everyone does their roles well, and, you know, I, I don't have any problems with the acting. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you. Um, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, I don't really have a ton else. No, I think I pretty much covered everything that I had as far as facts. And I mean, we covered the other people. So I think that kind of gets a lot of stuff. I mean, the one thing I don't think we really touched on and we don't have to get into too much, but I think some of like the weapons that he has specifically designed to take out vampires in this, it's just really cool stuff. Like Batman level stuff. Like He's got a shotgun that shoots stakes. Stakes, yep. Um, the the gun shoots bullets that are like uh, garlic or what? What are the bullets? Yeah, they're garlic and silver. Uh, hol- basically, garlic and silver bullets. Yeah, 
that, that gun, I can't remember what kind of gun it is, but that gun suite, he uses that a lot. It's a Mac, it's a Mac 9. Okay. Modified Mac 9 or Mac 10, I think it's what I had. Let me, let me read it. I have it right here. I had it right here a second <laughs> ago. It is a, I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> and I, well. And I feel like maybe, does he have like grenades or something that are like light or the ultraviolet light? Oh, or that's maybe? in the second one. Okay, that's in the second yeah, one. Yeah, you're, you're missing. See, that's the thing is, this is, what's cool is, Blade really took a page out of the whole Batman thing where they kept upping the the yeah. gadgets um, and they did it throughout, but they did it, it but the, the weapons made sense. It wasn't right. like all of a sudden he's got a bat plane yeah. or, you know. Well, it, it's, it's like really like functional stuff. You could picture them using like if vampires were yes. real and you knew what their weaknesses were, what were stuff that you could use to fight them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, I got a shotgun that shoots stakes. Which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You'd and, want to stake them. But I think that stuff is really cool. I really like that. I think I wrote in my notes, much like the original Batman, I wrote, where does he get those wonderful toys? Yeah. Because oh, when yeah. he first shows up, and is it in the first one or the second one where he has like that thing that spins around, it's like the blade, kind of like a, it's like a thing he throws and it spins around. I think that's in the second one. That's, maybe. No, it's, no, it's this one. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's because he uses it in the uh, in the opening scene in, in the, the in the club. Yeah, the, remember if, he's standing in the with his back and oh, he yeah. holds it up. Oh, yeah. That was the scene because that was the scene from the poster. Right, and then he throws it and, and it he takes out a bunch it, of them. Yeah. And it circles back around. It's a big boomerang. Yeah, I was gonna big say silver it's, boomerang. It's, it's like a death boomerang. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. I know he uses it, but I was like, what? Which one is that? I'm, I shouldn't have watched any of the second one because now no. it's clouding my memory. Oh, yeah. And I've seen the second one way more than I've seen this yeah, one. I, yeah. And I just watched part of the third one. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's yeah, what like so I started watching the second one. I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I know. That, yeah, that, that was the issue I ran into with uh, some of the Bond films we were watching. Oh, and geez, I just yeah. started watching them. And yeah, they all kind of blend together at they, a certain yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> at some point they do. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's rate this thing. Yeah. All righty, we've got Blade. <laughs> uh, you want to go first, or second? Uh, I'll go second. All right. Um, I enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is very important yes. to Marvel. Yes, and to I guess comic book movies, comic in, general. movies in general. Yeah. Um, and I think it continues to get more and more important, which is the crazy thing. Yeah. Um, eh, the effects, some of the effects don't hold up. Right. The acting's great. Mm-hmm. The directing's pretty good. I yeah. mean, I don't see really any fault with yeah. it. The plot obviously has some issues. Right. Um, which, said, yeah, a lot of exposition. A lot of exposition in parts, and some of the stuff doesn't make the motivations don't make any sense. Right. Um, but I like this movie a lot. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. Four. Wow. That's that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, I would say you know I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, watching it again, I do love this movie. I, I do feel it is a little dated, and I know it's 20 years ago now. But I feel like it's some of it is still some of it feels very late nineties. The soundtrack, the the club, like a lot of that stuff, I kinda watch it and I'm like, ooh, it's not timeless, you know. Not that the movie has to be timeless, but it, it has a certain feel of it. But I do like you said, it's very important. I mean, it's it's it sounds dramatic to say, but like without this movie, we might not have the comic movies that we have now. Because this showed you know, the the movie studios that people like comic book movies, that you can make one and it's going to make you a lot of money. And granted, yeah, this movie might be responsible also for a lot of terrible comic book movies. But, you know, without it, we, we wouldn't be where we are now. And I, I love Wesley Snipes in it. The action scenes are great. The fight scenes are all spectacular. You know, I don't think we talked about the one where he's like, fighting the train you know they're in the train tunnel right it's like speeding by and he's like fighting the vampires and he just all of it's really good and like you said the effects are a little iffy the story some of it like we talked about some of the plot holes that don't really make sense but uh overall i I still enjoy it It holds up the second one's better i think i'll give it three and a half machine guns you know yeah i mean actually now that you talked about the (laughs) non-timelessness of it i didn't really take that into a factor i want to walk mine back to a three and a half three and a half okay i think three and a half is what this movie deserves because i think i think it's probably a three machine gun movie but another you know the half just because it's so important to the comic book movie landscape yeah no i'm in i'm in complete agreement with you um, and I would absolutely recommend that you see this, the second one, the third one, and the TV series. The TV, well, I will have to keep my eyes peeled for a way to watch the TV series. Man, I if I, I looked at Amazon trying to find it, I, I couldn't find I it. I can't believe that it's out of all the streaming services that exist in this day and age that one of them doesn't have, because it's only, what, 13 episodes? No, I think it was more than that. I think it was like 22 episodes. Okay. It was a full season. Okay, but still, you would think that it would exist on some format, you know? You'd think? 
you really would. We know all the people at Amazon and Netflix listen to this podcast. They you, certainly do. If you're hearing our voices. Jeff Bezos, come on, buddy. Yeah, get that Blade TV series. You're you've always got, calling us. Yeah, you've got billions of dollars. Just sh- I'm sure it doesn't cost that much to get the rights. Couldn't possibly. I don't think Spike TV exists anymore. Come on. Yeah, they don't. They're the Paramount <laughs> Network now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Which, which is great because you get to see Indiana Jones a lot on TV. You really do. It's on a lot. <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. All right. So let's do some business. Um, this is, of course, Last Action Podcast coming to you every Monday. Uh, we've got one of my favorite podcasts, Noobs and Dragons, on Wednesdays. Uh, is there a particular podcast that you listen to other than this one? Um, well, I mean, I listen to other podcasts. I don't know if I listen to, you know, I need to get into some more. I always listen to your recommendations and sure. I always mean to get into them, but what would you recommend to me? To you, I would recommend, uh, The Legend of Retro. Okay. Starring, uh, Chops. Yeah. And Xander and Craig and The Glitch. They are on every Thursday. And, and what goes on in this podcast? Uh, they talk about retro games. Oh, nice. Lots of retro games. It's pretty okay. fantastic. Okay. Uh, and they actually do this new thing now where they... They do a segment called Retro Relapse where they play an old game. Okay. And they actually have it on YouTube of them playing it now. Oh, cool. And neat. then they record the actual review of it on the show. Oh, neat. It's very cool. Uh, Tuesdays, we've got, the, of course, the flagship GameZilla okay. uh, podcast with uh, uh, Jazzy and Grimm. Uh, we've got Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. And uh, the newest, uh, Noiseland Arcade, which is a Simpsons podcast. Oh, shoot. They deep dive into every episode of The Simpsons and talk about the good ones, the bad ones, the significance of them, and uh, kind of go from there. Oh, that's pretty uh, interesting. And that's with Craig and um, um, uh, Arcade Phantom. Sorry. I couldn't <laughs> think of what his handle was. I know who he is. I can't, couldn't think of his handle. That, it's that, Arcade Phantom. That kind of speaks to me. I'm a big Simpsons fan. I think or, you'd like it a lot. Or at least I was. I don't really watch it anymore, but... Craig's opinions about the uh, Simpsons shows are a lot less wild than his opinions on, <laughs> of Bond movies. Bond movies, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I still haven't confronted him about that yet. Yeah, I still don't know about that whole uh, Skyfall, Dark Knight theory, but... He and I will talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so check us out on Instagram, too. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, check us out anywhere podcasts are are available. Uh, give us five five stars, thumbs up, hearts. Whatever it is, <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, Joe, great work for your first episode. Hey, thank you. I, I hope I hope I hope it went well. I had a lot of fun. You know, it's a good movie to talk about. So I'm looking forward to a, to a bunch more. Yep, and there will be plenty. But for now, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>